it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the LET Golf Podcast. George Cooper here with Nicola Kenton and we're joined this week by another winner. She's now a three-time winner on the Ladies European Tour, England's Bronte Law. Bronte, how are we doing? Not too bad, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. A crazy week. I mean, now, like I said, a three-time winner, a brilliant comeback victory in Morocco, which is a place you're starting to love. Just how would you assess the, the past week? Yeah, um, a little surreal, really. Obviously, the last time I was in Morocco was for um, LETQ school. Um, and, yeah, had a really good win there. Um, had quite a few birdies um, that week as well. So to to close out with a nine under and, and win again, for the only second time I've been in Morocco. Um, yeah, some would say that, you know, I'm hoping that there's more events in Morocco <laughs> throughout the year. So, yeah. Yeah, just try and sum up that final day for us. Obviously, eight shots behind coming into it. Maria Fassi at the top of the leaderboard, which was, I looked, it's sort of reminiscent of when you won in Dubai. She was up there and you came and shot a 64 on the final round. So, just try and sum up for us that final round. Did you go into it thinking if I post a low one, I've got a chance here? Or is it just I'm I'm, I'm feeling good, I'm going to play some good golf and see where it, where it takes me? Yeah, um, I had a chat with my caddy at the start of the day and, um, you know, just said we'll, we'll need, you know, a low one today. But, you know, eight under, which was, you know, ultimately what score Maria was on at the start of the day. Um, you know, if we could shoot eight under and see what happens, you know, put a little bit of pressure on. You know, we'll see. Um, so, yeah, got off to a decent start, not particularly hot. Um, you know, just was playing pretty solid golf. Um, started making a few birdies and thought, well, let's just, you know, keep going, see where this goes. Um, and then, yeah, started just really firing at the flags on the back nine. Thought, you know, um, you, you've got to start making a move if, if you're going now. Um caught a glimpse of their leaderboard um, behind and saw that I think Maria was on 14 when I was going down 11. Um, so thought, you know, there's still a huge deficit that I've got to make up for. But I knew there was a couple, of, you know, difficult finishing holes at the end. So um, just really cracked on, um, obviously making, I think I was four under in the next four holes. So, um, yeah, you know, obviously took my own word for it in in that respect and and just just kind of told myself why not you know do all you can um felt like I was playing good played good all week just didn't necessarily convert all my chances and just went into into that bat nine with a really good mindset a really positive mindset and one where um you know I'd kind of um accepted um, whatever was going to happen and, and wasn't really um, too worried about the consequences, which is, you know, something I'd been working on a lot with my psychologist over the last six months or so um, and just felt like I was in a really free free place mentally. And um, ultimately, when you're in that in that position, often you play, play your best golf. So, um, yeah, kind of paired all those things together and, and managed to card what is, I think, my lowest career round so yeah 
Yeah, it looked like a day where it's just nothing could really go wrong for you. I think is it the fourteenth was in the end the turn real turning point you hold out for Eagle, right? Yeah, I was talking to my caddy a few holes before saying, you know, it's one of those days where someone makes an eagle, puts a little bit of pressure on on the leader and, you know, they start looking at the leaderboard and, and you know, feeling that pressure. And two holes later, I obviously hold out. And so I just started laughing at my caddy because I just thought that's ridiculous. You know, I, I, I said those things, but, you know, you never think like that you're going to actually be able to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, Maria is a very good friend of mine and, and, you know, we've got to know each other very well over our years playing um, on tour. And, um, you know, I think um, I, I thought she wasn't going to be able to be to be caught on that last day, to be honest. So um, I was equally surprised when coming down, um, I think it was, 16 or 17 when I saw the leaderboard I was I was very you know surprised to see to see where I was and um you know it just goes to show like how how tricky those you know last couple of holes can play and um how well you know both myself and my caddy navigated um our way around that back nine um because it felt you know pretty straightforward because of the way that you know we played it but equally um, the scores showed, you know, that it it wasn't necessarily playing playing that easy, and those pin positions were, you know, tricky in places. But we just were really clear with with exactly how we were going to play each of those holes, and um, you know, I guess when it comes down to it, you know, that was probably the the reason that I managed to you know shoot those numbers was because of how committed we were to um, you know each of um, the decisions that we made. Yeah, absolutely. I know you touched on it just a minute ago, but sort of the, the mental work you've been putting in, into the game. I know we spoke to you at the end of last season um, when you were openly candid about that you'd had a difficult season, but then you had that good result, didn't you, in Riyadh at the ACS event. And it looked like, you know, that was sort of going to be a turning point. And then you said how strong an off-season you had. So maybe just touch a bit on that, what you had been working on on the off-season. I know you, you mentioned Ian Woosman as well. So what sort of work have you been doing um, yeah, so finishing the season in Riyadh, I finally felt like um, the work that I've been putting in with my mental coach, Carl, um, was actually closer. Um, and so it gave me the boost that I needed going into the off season that the work that I'd been doing was actually, you know, paying off. And, and it was, you know, it came at a really good time, you know, after I struggled a lot last year. So to have that at the end of the season was like, you know, kind of a reminder to me that, you know, the work that you put in it is the right work and, you know, you need to keep working on it, keep pushing yourself. And, um, you know, I don't know how easy that would have been had I not had that result. You know, it, it felt like I was, you know, I was really struggling and, you know, I was, um, not sure which kind of way to turn and who to look for for help and you know to to feel like you're not getting good results but not necessarily playing bad golf so um that was really important and um I felt really good going into the off season um I always go to Barbados for a month um so I'm lucky enough to um 
often play with with Woozy when I'm over there, and I've got to know him over probably seven or eight years now of of going there every year. Um, and you know, he just kind of he really took a huge amount of time um, out of I think three or four weeks, you know, each day pretty much to to help me out and just you know try and uh, mentor me and guide me and um, you know the the amount of time that he dedicated towards helping me was just incredible. Um, you know, I felt extremely lucky to have that opportunity and, you know, can't really thank him enough for, you know, not only being a good friend, but also just like sharing with me all those, you know, experiences that he's had over the years and being able to advise me on, um, you know, moving forward, how, you know, best he would, you know, prepare and, and advice that he'd give me in my situation and what he's experienced over his career and, you know, what he's taken from that. And it was just like so much information and so much advice that, um, you know, I just felt like I came away from that really um, motivated and, and just really positive. I I trained as hard as I could, you know, I I had probably the best off season in terms of where I felt my game was. Um, and, you know, pairing that with the work that I'd done with my, you know, psychologist and the work that I'd done with my coach, Richard, it just felt like, um, you know, I was really back in a position where now I could actually win again. Um, it just meant actually putting into practice the, the work that I'd done mentally um, in order to do that. Um, so, yeah, the the main thing that it's come down to is just ha having that high acceptance, you know, going out on the golf course and, um, you know, not being afraid of what's going to happen. You know, whatever happens, happens. And I, I've already accepted the fact that I'm OK with that. Um, it just gives you that freedom to actually, you know, play as opposed to, you know, worrying about what could go wrong or what could go right. Um, and so, yeah, just... Um, a lot of things, you know, that obviously I've been working on and, and, you know, a lot of people don't really see that and, you know, they, um, you know, only see your results and um, kind of judge based on that how you've been doing. But it feels like it's been, you know, a while, you know, coming now. And, um, you know, for me, just moving forward, I feel that I'm putting myself in the best position possible to have that success and, um, you know, we'll continue continue to work on all those things and obviously you know that they are working so that's the nicest part about it is you feel like you're actually getting somewhere with with that work and um you know it's not just I'm working hard and I'm not getting anywhere you know it's actually like you're seeing daily the the effort that you're putting in actually and having that success yeah fantastic um so with all that final one from me then with all that being said, and now having picked up a win so early into the season, what does that do for your confidence? And what does that does that change your goals now moving forward? How do you how do you approach this year with the victory under your belt so early on? Um, well, I would say for me, I always set my goals very high. Um, you know, some people would say that that's a detriment. You know, but um, I've always been very driven, and you know, I, I work hard based on setting myself really high high goals that doesn't mean to say that I don't have goals on a daily basis that are uh, much more attainable um, and you know much more uh, available to to 
have that feeling of success on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, my goals have not changed from the start of the year. Um, you know, it's nice to tick one of the goals off already, which was a win. Um, but there's there's many more on that list. And, um, you know, now is the time to just keep pushing on. You know, I won't won't be satisfied with, you know, just having a little bit of success. For me, it's, um, you know, that feeling of, of um you know, achieving all of my dreams and, and you know, I, I probably won't stop in, until I do that. And you speak about dreams there. So we'll talk about how you got into golf, go back to the beginning of your journey. Um, so how old were you when you first picked up a golf club? Um, I was five. Um, I think the story goes that I wanted to do everything that my dad was doing. And so I played football, I played tennis, and then he kept disappearing off to the golf course on a Saturday morning. And I was desperate to go with him. So um, at that point, we he was a member at Bramall Golf Club and um, they were doing junior lessons on a Sunday afternoon. And so after much of my nagging and annoyance, I think he decided to give in and, um, you know, take me there and, and tried it out and never really looked back, kept going every week, looked forward to the lessons. And then I think it was, you know, a year later, I started having private lessons and, um, you know, started working with my now coach, who has been my coach since then, Richard Green. Um, and yeah that's kind of where the journey started and um you know it's 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 been a long one since then but um yeah always was into my sport and so anytime I could be outside playing sports um you know I, w I was happy and so uh, I was lucky enough to find golf because of my dad and you mentioned then that you never really looked back what was it about golf that you liked when you were younger what was the feeling some people say it was you know the fact you have to improve you get better every time like did you just get the bug straight away I think I was quite good and then you compare yourself to everyone else and I was told that I was quite good and I thought well this is great you know I can just do it and um you know I can hit it and I can hit it up in the air and you know I can hit it hard and you know it for me it was just like yeah, the, the idea that you could always get better, you know, if you work hard and, you know, over time, I'd be able to hit it further. And if I improve my technique, I can, you know, hit it closer. And there was just so many parts to it, you know, with the chipping, the long game, the putting, um, I could be there for hours. So it was just like hours of fun, you know, that could go on and on and on. Um, so my parents, I think they loved that because it was like, I would be entertained for so many hours. Um, but then for me as well, you know, I just thought, you know, this is great. You know, I just absolutely loved it and met some incredible people, um, at a young age. Um, you know, I was probably the only, only girl, um, junior that was regularly at the golf course. So a lot of my, um, you know, friends growing up with the boys at the club and, um, you know, I was always very grateful for, for the way that, you know, they were very welcoming as I know some, some girls felt a little outcast, um, growing up, but for me, uh, being part of Bramall golf club, you know, I was always, 
you know, so well looked after. And, you know, to this day, I regularly go back and see them just because of, um, you know, how, how much of a huge part of me, you know, not only getting into golf, but actually staying in golf, which I understand is, you know, one of the most difficult things with keeping young girls, you know, in the game and growing that game for them is, is, you know, giving them opportunities and making them feel like they're, they're enjoying themselves. So I try and go back and, you know, see them all as, as much as possible and, um, you know, share my victories with them as, you know, I, I feel like uh, they were a huge part of that. And you mentioned your club. So what was your first ever competition? Was it a club competition or was it like a local competition that you played in? Yeah, I think it was a club competition. I think it would have been the junior medal on a Sunday. Um, I mean, I probably shot like 120 or something. You know, I have no idea uh, what what happened. But yeah, regularly would play in, in the Sunday medals at Bram Hall and, um, you know, then got into the Cheshire ladies golf um, kind of system and um, was just chatting with my psychologist actually yesterday because that's where I first met him was when I was like seven or eight and I think we had a, a Cheshire like junior golf day at Tarpley and um, I stood up apparently and he said you know he was asking people what they want to do you know when they're older or what their dreams are and I stood up and shouted that I wanted to be a professional golfer and you know everyone was kind of like yeah okay you know <laughs> And, um, you know, for me, I guess I knew from, from a young age that, that I wanted to do that. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's really nice to kind of reminisce on, on, you know, when you were younger and, and the enjoyment that I had, um, you know, growing up. And um, it just kind of reminds me of um, how important it is to, to make sure that that next generation, you know, um, continues to feel um, included and, and hopefully we can create an even better platform for them to um, to grow up with. And as you say, um, you're probably a hero to some girls growing up now, but when you were that age, who was your hero, whether that's in sport or outside of sport? Did you have anyone that you looked up to? Yeah, um, you know, loved sport, absolutely loved any sports, you know, Golf aside, I remember idolizing Serena Williams, you know, from a young age and just thinking she was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then with, um, I think it was the Weetabix at the time was held at Lytham and my dad took me out there and I, I, I was probably seven or eight. I mean, I was, I, re I remember little bits of it, but, you know, not a huge amount other than chasing every golfer trying to ask them for a golf ball um and th there must be like 50 golf balls somewhere at my parents house of you know various players who I've come to play with now you know I remember getting a ball off Paula and um you know the my most vivid memory was of um Lorena Ochoa I think we watched her for the whole 18 holes and I think it might have been the year that she even won and there wasn't that many people watching, you know, it's crazy um, to think back. And she came up to me on the 18th, gave me a ball and said, thank you for watching me the whole way around. And, you know, obviously looking back now, I'm like, she, you know, is an absolute icon of the game. And um, someone who I've actually been lucky enough to meet at various pro-ams that she's done, um, you know, in the last couple of years and, and, 
um, you know, it's a little surreal in that situation where, you know, you meet those people that you remember, you know, watching from such a young age. But that just shows me how cool a sport it is. And, you know, I hope that I can give, you know, kids that same experience that, you know, I had with them. And it just shows the importance of, of us stepping up and, you know, having that fan interaction um, with them. And, um, yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. And it's why I felt it was important to become an England golf ambassador to, to try and give back to, um, to those girls and to those juniors um, and literally inspire like the next generation of golfers. Sorry, my dog is going mental right now. <laughs> Someone at the door. So he was doing really well. Yeah. I was going to ask that. I know you got a dog and we were going to ask you like, oh, yeah, what, what did you get up to in your spare time? Yeah. So now, I think now's a good time yeah. to tell us about the dog. Yeah, he was doing really well. Um, I have a cavapoo. Um, yeah, he's he's one, so he's still learning. Um, but I think that was just my new golf clubs arriving. So um, that's good, just in time. Before that is Tampa. good news. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's... Um, He's a good. He's a good dog. He uh, just hates when the doorbell rings, as you know. I'm sure there's many other dogs that feel the same way. Um, but yeah, absolutely, uh, is a huge part of my weeks off. Taking him for walks. Um, he's not quite golf club trained yet, but we're working on that one. Um, he likes to bark when I hit, but no one else. So you know, I won't be bringing him to to any tournaments uh, anytime soon for for fear of self-sabotage for that one um but yeah it's um you know it, it it's always nice to come home and you know be able to take him for walks and um you know just really have that um sense of um you know just home time you know it to me it's that that's what i associate spending time with him is being at home and you know being able to enjoy being at home and that feeling of um you know, time off in between, you know, the very busy schedule that we have. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to have him. He's, uh, he's, um, he's, he's a good dog for sure. Nice. And what's his name? Tito. Tito. That's I named name. him after the vodka. Vodka, was, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, 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 um, the vodka that was my choice, I think, in college. So um, I, I just loved the name and, and always knew that I was going to name my dog Tito. So um, the ball marker that I use is of a Tito's vodka chip. So um, some would say that, you know, it's for the vodka, but I, I try and persuade them it's about my dog. <laughs> nice. Well, you mentioned college there. I was just going to ask you about your prolific amateur career in the end. You basically played in everything there was to play in. Uh, I think reached number two, didn't you, in the rankings for the amateur rankings. So UCLA was obviously where you ended up in college. First of all, I mean, why did you why did you pick there? Well, I mean, a girl from South Manchester, you know, you get the opportunity to go and live in Los Angeles. I don't think you're going to turn that one down, you know. So, um, yeah, jumped at the opportunity um, as soon as I went to visit knew that I had to be there, you know, I'm turning the TV on and looking at 90210 going like, there's no way that I'm going to live there, surely. So, um, yeah, 
just it was like a dream come true i had the two best coaches i could possibly have and um you know some incredible teammates obviously you know alison lee was you know the same year as me where you know she's one of my best friends and seeing her win in um you know saudi at the end of the year was you know absolutely incredible it's always so special to be able to share those experiences with um you know your best friends and obviously Lilia winning the British Open last year another teammate of mine um you know who's a an incredible person and obviously golfer um it's just yeah I mean the list goes on Patty just winning you know at the ASLI and and then winning an LPGA event back-to-back weeks I think it just shows the strength in um you know UCLA golf and um I think yeah it was an incredible weekend for us with me, Patty and Jake Knapp winning on the PGA tour. Um, Jake was on the men's team when, when I was on the team at, at UCLA and um, yeah, it's really cool to be able to share that, um, you know, experience of, of going to college with them and now seeing the success that they're all having is um, it, it's, it's, it's great to be a part of and something that I'm very proud to be a part of. Yeah, nice. And come on in. You're obviously close with Alison over there. We know Alison the golfer. What was she like as a as a teammate and as a college? Was she, did you room with her or what was the what was the details? Yeah, we we lived together twice. I'm going to be careful what I say here, <laughs> um, but we uh, you know we're we're very good friends and and we've had some incredible experiences over the years. And um, I think the highlight of our so to say, um, difficult years for our coach was when we decided to get a dog while we were on the team and we called it a team dog and we tried to bring it to practice in a little carry bag and our coach was uh, less than impressed, I think, when she found out that we'd uh, gone and rescued a dog. Um, But that just kind of gives you an idea of... um, I'll say the carnage that went on um, between us uh, when we were on the team together, but uh, we we achieved some incredible things, um, you know, both of us while we were in college and, and as a team as well. Um, and um, Carrie, now the coach at UCLA, who's just recent, recently retired, she always joked that, you know, we were going to send her into early retirement, but she... Uh, she kept on going for, I think, gosh, it must have been about seven or eight years after we left. So uh, we can't have been that bad. You know, I think she just said it to wind us up. <laughs> yeah. And we obviously have a lot of uh, a lot of English players now go and live in the US and come back. So what's the best thing about being over there? And what's maybe the worst thing? Or what do you miss the most? Um, I'd say the best thing was being part of a team. It's something that I really enjoy and, um, you know, something that, uh, we don't get to see much of as, you know, golfers. A lot of our time is spent on our own and, you know, with our very small team of, you know, caddy coach. And um, you don't have that same sense of that team environment that you see when, when you go to college. And that was something for me that I just absolutely loved. I loved that feeling of sharing that success when we won together. And I think it's part of the reason why, you know, we did have such a successful team is, um, you know, I really tried to feel like when I was on the team that we all felt a part of each other's successes. Um, 
and yeah f for me that was that was just a really cool experience and one that I would um you know encourage any any golfer over here to to go and give it a go um I'd say the hardest part was being so far away from home you know um I was lucky enough to where I had such a great group of um of teammates and coaches that that made that experience you know a little easier but um you have to figure out a lot of stuff when you're an eight or nine hour time difference from your parents. And I think for me was when I got a flat tire on one of the busiest roads in LA and had to change it myself. You know, that was a big like wake up call of like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm not just, you know, able to call my dad and ask him how on earth I do this. You know, I really have to have to figure it out. But at that same, you know, time, it, it makes you grow up quicker. And, you know, I probably needed to do that at that point in, in my life. I needed to mature. I needed to, you know, figure out how I was going to manage, you know, on the LPGA because I wasn't going to have my, my parents around me there either. Um, so although it was one of the biggest challenges, it ended up being one of the best things that could happen for me. And I think um, college really shaped and molded me as a person and you know allowed me to um learn how to you know function and 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 be able to to go on tour straight after college yeah nice and finally for me then as you mentioned playing in a team being part of a team representing your country i mean that curtis cup team that you played in with an abundance of led stars i mean leona Maguire, alice houston mega mclaren and then i know you obviously played with some of them uh, in riyadh actually which was a cool full circle moment so What's your memories for, from that week in particular? Yeah, well, I was lucky enough to play in two winning Curtis Cup teams. And, um, you know, for me, like, they are some of the most fond memories that I have. Um, you know, girls that I grew up playing golf with, to then be able to, you know, represent Great Britain and Ireland um, and and take the US down is, like you know, just the best feeling ever. It's it's like you look at the size of, you know, the UK and then the size of America and you think, you know, how incredible that we, we were able to do that. Um, and, yeah, just so many incredible people that, you know, I've I've got to know over the years and um, it was just so nice to be able to, to kind of relive that a little bit in Riyadh and, uh, you know, I just had the best week. I know that we didn't get the result that, that we wanted, but um, that's just why I love those events. I just feel that, um, you know, that they're, they're so special and they're something that, you know, no other tournament even comes close to, to recreating that. And I think that's why, you know, their addition to the, to the schedule has been, so incredible and the stories that you know you guys have been able to tell off the back of those and you know the opportunities that it's given players to be able to you know earn more money than they have in in you know one event in their whole career so that they then don't have to worry about their expenses for the remainder of the season and you know, you know things like that are just it, it's really special and I hope that you know they continue to to you know help create those stories and, um, you know, create opportunities for girls to, um, you know, elevate their game and, and provide, um, you know, storylines that hopefully will interest, you know, people all over the world. And 
now going on to, as you say, you finished college in the States and then made the decision to turn pro and obviously start professional life. So what was that like, obviously going into, first of all, Q school in the States and kind of doing that experience? Yeah, it was um, it was hard work. It was really hard work. Um, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a situation where, you know, there's not a coach telling you you've got to be here at this time and, and, you know, do this at this time. Here's your boarding card. Get on the plane. You know, you have to do everything yourself. So I made a lot of mistakes, but I also learned from a lot of mistakes. You know, I think um, a story that goes around tour regularly when, you know, people talk about rookie mistakes is when I booked a flight from Portland, Maine instead of Portland, Oregon and turned up to the airport to give them my boarding card. And they said, oh, this this flight is already in, in flight. And I was like, oh, right, that's weird, because the time says, like, 7 o'clock. And, yeah, so uh, <laughs> that wasn't my finest moment. But, um, you know, you come to, you know, learn from, from those mistakes. And, um, you know, I think that um, you grow a lot as a person. I'd say that. Um, golfers in particular, just because of the nature of the lifestyle that we live, um, you're a lot more worldly than a lot of other people, you know, that haven't necessarily traveled as much and visited all those countries. And, you know, we have to navigate all of the, you know, car rentals and airports and, you know, hotels and, and just there's so many, so many things that people, you know, they they probably don't realize when they just look at, oh, they're this week they're in this country or next week they're in that country and they're playing golf, you know, and there's like a million things that, you know, go into it as the same way it goes into the preparation of the golf tournaments, you know, you get there and everything's already there and all prepared and whatever. And you think, gosh, you know, the amount of work that goes into this. And, um, you know, I think that that's something that, um, I realized, you know, quickly is that there's, um, there's so much going on all the time and and there's there's a lot of things that you know you take for granted when you're as an amateur and then of you know the experience that I had when you turn pro all of a sudden you're aware of all these things and um you know you become very grateful for that freedom and not having to worry about that you know those things as an amateur golfer and it's one of those things I tell people you know, what's the one thing that you'd say to an amateur golfer? And it's like, just enjoy what you're doing right now, you know, because, you know, when you turn pro, it's like, it's all on you, you know, the, all the decisions have to be made by you. You have to plan everything yourself. And, you know, I think that I was always desperate, you know, to turn pro. I was like, oh, I just want to be a pro golfer, blah, blah, blah. And then you look back and you go, you know, you just have to enjoy enjoy those experiences, enjoy your time as an amateur. You know, it's it's such a freeing time, and um, you know, I think kind of that's one bit of advice that I always try and give is to just not like wish away that experience, you know, but to just like embrace it full on and and try and always pick up as much of advice as you can along the way that will help you like prepare for those steps into the professional game. And we mentioned early TQ school earlier in the episode, obviously, as it was in Morocco. <laughs> and as you said, you won it and got nine bird consecutive birdies in a row, all sorts of records going on. What was that like heading into that week for, um, to get status on the LDT? 
yeah, it was it was a weird one because I'd played a full season on the LPGA and I was absolutely exhausted when I got there. And the prospect of doing two weeks in Morocco just seemed like a lot of hard work. Um, but uh, I had a great caddy on my bag at that time, Jeff, who was actually able to be there in Morocco last week, caddying for Monty in the Champions Tour event. And, um, you know, he just told me, he's like, you just got to, you know, treat it as as any other tournament. You know, you've got to get your head right and, um, you know, just try and win. And so, you know, I think I've started out okay, but, um, you know, wasn't particularly breaking any records or anything. And, you know, he was like, come on, you know, like this, this isn't going to happen itself. You know, you need to get on with it. Like, you know, actually try. And so, yeah, I think he said that and I made a bogey and I just got fed up. And then I think I had my nine consecutive birdies after that. So, (laughs) um, you know, it just shows the importance of having a good caddy and, you know, someone who will keep you on the straight and narrow and tell you when, you know, you need to be told. And, um, yeah, it, it was, that was incredible, you know, um, ended up, you know, being a really cool experience for me and, um, you know, really enjoyed that week, um, you know, being able to, to obviously get my, um, status on the LET and be able to, you know, play more ladies European tour events and, um, you know, I have a huge affinity with the ladies European tour with the amount of friends that I've grown up with who play out there. It's, it's always been so enjoyable every time I come and play in the tournaments. And so to then have that freedom to come and play more was, was huge for me. And, um, you know, I think, uh, over the last four or five years, each year I've played, tried to play more and more events and with the addition of the Aramco team series events and loving playing team tournaments, I've, you know, tried to play in as many of those as I could just because I think they're such a fantastic format. And, um, I think that that's something that the uh, Ladies European Tour should be proud of, that they've created that, um, you know, niche kind of um, element to professional golf. And, um, yeah, like I was saying before, I just hope they they continue to grow in the way that they have done over the last couple of years. And then, obviously, in 2019, a big year. Um, So winning on the LPGA, we'll start with that. Obviously, you've been in a playoff few weeks before you actually got your win but talk us through that just that month of may may and june yeah yeah that was um that was crazy you know it's funny because when i got into the playoff in san francisco i you know had played okay golf but nothing spectacular and then i had a really good last day and found myself in a playoff and i thought well I mean, yeah, I played good that day, but I mean, like I am in a playoff on the LPGA and I didn't even feel like I've played my best golf. And it was like this light bulb moment. Like you don't have to always play your best to be able to compete, but you just have to be able to, you know, string a couple of good rounds together in order to get yourself into that position. And so it was like this huge weight lifted off my shoulders because I thought well you're always trying to play this perfect golf and you know like play really good golf every day and sometimes you know 
that can be difficult. That's a lot of pressure to have. Whereas if you give yourself the freedom to not necessarily hit every shot perfect and not necessarily birdie every hole, you're then creating this really powerful mindset of where, you know, you're so much more free to be able to actually pull off shots and, you know, be successful. And it's kind of what I was talking about earlier of having that, you know, high acceptance and just, you know, letting it happen as opposed to trying to force it to happen. And so was really happy with, you know, that week obviously didn't win, but, um, you know, picked up a huge amount of money that, you know, I'd, I'd not ever even imagined that I would have, you know, earned that amount of money in a week. Um, and then found myself two weeks later, I think it was going to Kingsmill, just feeling like I could achieve anything. And I think I led from start to finish and, you know, I, I felt really confident. I did actually play really good golf that week. Um, but I also had the mindset of what I would say a champion is, which is that, you know, I'm going to go and win this and no one's going to stop me. Um, so yeah, that was crazy. Like, I mean, that week was just, I look back on that all the time and go, you know, no one can ever take that away from you. You know, once you become a winner, you know, whether that's on the Ladies European Tour and the LPGA, you then have that by your name. You know, you're a you're a LPGA Tour winner. You're a Ladies European Tour winner. You know, you're a Solheim Cup winner. Like, no one can ever take that from you. And I think that was the coolest feeling for me was that, um, you know, you, you then have that title. And, um, you know, it was something that I dreamt of from, like, when I was, you know, having that Cheshire golf, you know, uh, you know, clinic in, in, in Tarpley when I was younger and, and, you know, to then be there, stand there with that trophy and just, you know, all of the things that you've ever imagined, you know, actually happening, um, was just like literally what dreams are made of. Um, and obviously, something that I will, you know, treasure for the rest of my life. And then, as you mentioned there, we can't talk about 2019 without talking about the Solheim Cup. Um, so talk <laughs> me through um, that process. Obviously, you were a pick on that team. Um, I know that you knew kind of the whole summer that you were getting that pick, but still to be on that yeah. team, yeah. Um, talk us through the process leading up to it. And then obviously... Yeah, I mean, it was a great year. Uh, played some really good golf, had a great week at the British Open. That was the week that Beanie told me, you know, that I was going to be a pick. And, you know, everyone's obviously like, oh, you know, you're playing with Katrina. Like, are you worried or whatever? And I had to, you know, kind of milk it a little bit like, yeah, you know, I'll be trying my best, you know, <laughs> whatever. But um, yeah, it, it, I mean, Beanie's an incredible golfer and someone that I've, you know, looked up to throughout my career and, um, you know, been lucky enough to play with her multiple occasions now and, you know, call her a friend. And, um, you know, I think that what she achieved was absolutely incredible. And, you know, once I knew that I was going to be playing for her, I was just so excited. Um, and, yeah, I just think that she is the epitome of what, a Solheim captain should be you know she just 
everything she did, she handled it with grace and she, um, you know, just made everyone feel a huge part of that team. And, um, you know, you talk about cohesion being such a huge importance of success on teams and she did a wonderful job doing that, you know, along with Suzanne and, and Laura and, you know, the, the feeling that I had and the pride I had before we even stepped out on the tee was just, you know, enormous. And, um, you know, it, it felt like, you know, you were, you were walking on air going onto that first tee, you know, and people talk about nerves and whatever, but it was just electric, like the, the feeling and, and, people say, oh, what was it like? And, you know, you, you struggle to find the words because it's such a special feeling and one that I hope, you know, any European gets to experience that, you know, and, and they should make sure that, you know, it's one of their huge goals because um, it's honestly life-changing and, and it's so special that we, we get to experience that. And, um, you know, I really hope that it continues to grow over the years because um you know it, it's it's become such a, a huge part of of the schedule and one that um you know it is exactly what women's golf should be about and um yeah obviously we won and and you know you think it can't get any better because i've just had the best time ever and then you win and you just think, well, this is ridiculous now, you know, like I, I never imagined that, you know, I'd be in this situation where I, you know, can call myself a Solheim Cup winner. And, um, you know, we just we just were the ultimate team. And I, you know, I always talk about that with people. I say, like, it doesn't matter what's on paper, you know, going into the tournament. It's about how well your team gels and how much you'd fight for each other you know and you weren't playing for yourself you were playing for every single person that was in that team room you know not just the you know players not just the captains but all of the people involved you know the whole of the ladies european tour you know all of the helpers that are there taking time out of their week to make you feel um you know as you know safe and as looked after as possible and um you know, I think that's something that, again, people don't realise all of the things that go into that. But we just had the best, I would say, backroom staff, you know, that you, you could possibly have. And um, again, it just shows what makes playing for Europe so special is that, um, you know, you have so many past players and so many people that still are desperate to be a part of it, even after, you know, they they finished their career. And, you know, it's something that, um, you know, I definitely will will want to be a part of, you know, throughout my whole life and, you know, will always be the most ultimate, um, you know, Europe, uh, European fan and, and supporter. And, um, you know, the success that Europe have had over the last, you know, couple of years just shows how great of a position European golf is and, and you know, continues to be. And you were someone who had quite a unique point of view on that final Sunday because... You were in the match previous to Suzanne. So obviously you'd finished on 17, wrapped up your point, and then you're watching it on a screen <laughs> rather than being on 18 because of the logistics yeah. of the course. So what was that like? Yeah. Well, it was like, 
I had no idea what was going on. I was trying to focus on my match. I was like, it doesn't matter what's going on in Suzanne's match because all you need to take care of is your point. So that doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Let's just focus in. So then as soon as I won, I was like, what's happening? Like, what's going on? Like, what? I like, I'm I'm hearing things like people are like, go, no, stay. No, you're going to have to watch on the screen. And it's like, what is happening? You know, and my whole family are there and, you know, we're all kind of like gripping each other going what's happening and and then I think the best story that I've told was you know about the fact that there was a cheer and I automatically presumed that that was for Europe so that was before it even came on the screen because there was a delay so I started celebrating and thank goodness she held the puck because otherwise I would have looked like the biggest idiot <laughs> there but of course you know it was Suzanne, so she wasn't going to miss it. So, um, you know, it kind of shows the the sort of mindset that we had for each other. You know, we were just so, we trusted each other so much. And, you know, who else would you want to be in that position than Suzanne? You know, she's an absolute rock star and um, someone who um, is was, again, you know, it, she, she's made for it. She's absolutely made for it. And, um, you know, the captaincy again is in is in great hands and um you know it just shows the effect that it's had on european players the fact that they're you know so keen to come back and want to help and continue to help and you know be a captain and and want to you know keep that trophy in europe for as long as possible so um yeah just absolutely incredible that i got to even be a tiny part of her you know mic drop career ending you know um magic that she created and then final one for me is just your two previous victories that you had on the early two before morocco so obviously as we mentioned in dubai you came from behind again um and obviously for those who didn't know that tournament it was a shotgun tournament so everyone started at the same time everyone's playing at the same time and everyone finishes at the same time you don't really know again what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, talk us through that because I feel like when I was there, obviously we were watching it, and it was like we didn't know if you knew that you'd won. <laughs> um, did you know that you'd won? <laughs> no, I had no idea. Um, that was another. You know, you talk about like thinking about each wins and how different they are, and that one for me was really cool. Like playing in the dark. You know, it, it's such a unique event and. Yeah, the shotgun element made it really different as well because obviously usually you can gauge based on the same holes you've played as everyone else, kind of where you sit. But, you know, you could have played like four of the hardest holes at the start and then have, you know, a lot of like birdie opportunities coming in or vice versa. You get off to a hot start and you've got four tricky holes to finish. So, yeah, again... No idea, um, but kind of that similar feeling of just chasing until it was over, you know, not not resting until it was done, you know, and just the possibility that I could, you know, win was enough for me to, to chase that and, and just keep pushing. And, um, yeah, that was, that was another, you know, really cool experience and, um, you know, one with, with it being in the dark under the lights that that added a really cool um you know element that i again love that the let were 
trying these different kinds of, you know, um, events and trying to find different ways of presenting golf and gaining interest. And, um, you know, it's something that I think we have to do, um, you know, as, as, as a whole to try and create, you know, more interest and, and find our, um, you know, market for, for getting more people involved and, and watching and, and that event, I, I thought was was fantastic and I hope maybe you know we can we can bring that one back in in the future and then you mentioned Suzanne's mic drop at so high but you kind of had your own version at ATS London in 2022 with your putt to to win uh the monster putt talk us through that (laughs) yeah I still don't know we went back and recreated it this year or last year um and I still don't I still don't know I mean, I'm stepping up there and I'm going, you know, like, um, you know, speed is really important here. So, you know, like, make sure you've got the speed right. And, um, you know, obviously looking at the leaderboard, I'd had a really good, um, you know, last couple of holes after having one hole that, you know, kind of knocked me back a bit. I, you know, just pushed on and and tried to recover from that as best as I could. Um, And, yeah, hit it. As soon as I hit it, I thought, yeah, that, I think that's good speed, you know, so I was quite happy with that. And then, you know, it's 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 traveling up the hill and I think oh, that looks really good, actually, you know, heading right for the middle of the hole. And then it went in and I was, I think, as surprised as anyone else there. So, um, you know, on putts like that, obviously, you you never imagine that they're going to go in, you know, you only can focus on hitting a good putt and starting it on a good line. And obviously did both of those things. And, um, to, to do that in front of, you know, a home crowd, we obviously don't have too many opportunities to do that in the UK. So, um, you know, winning in front of them and, and being able to have that experience was something really special and had so many family members there watching and, uh, just, brings back really fond memories um of 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 sharing that you know experience with them so yeah that was uh that was pretty cool yeah and a good one for us because we get to play it over and over again every time <laughs> we come back to century so thanks for yeah. that right You're welcome a couple more then bronte before we uh before we let you go so just outside of golf you've chatted about your lovely dog tita you've chatted about living yeah. in america big football fan who's your team uh manchester united so it's been a bit rough lately um but not looking forward to this weekend particularly but we'll see maybe chat about that in uh in tampa um if they win if they don't we probably won't talk about it so (laughs) okay that's a fair evaluation and besides that then what what is uh what does bronte like to do in their spare time anything to do with sport honestly i mean it was like in in Saudi they have uh, paddle courts and I was loving playing a bit of paddle you know uh, obviously grew up playing tennis so for me that's like great because you don't have to run around as much um, but it's still you know very similar to tennis and you know that competitive edge that I have and um, you know comes out when we play paddle um, last week we actually played Yahtzee every night so um, me Olivia and Anne um have you know some for some reason decided that Yahtzee's now um 
going to be on the cards every week. So, um, yeah, just anything competitive, honestly, it's like, um, it, it, I'm, I just, I just love it. So what is Yassi? What, I've never heard of that. So it's like you have five dice and you roll them and you're effectively trying to like create different, um, you know, scores, whether that's like four of a kind or, you know, a run or, uh, Yahtzee, which is all the same. So if you get, you know, if you roll five and they're all the same, that's Yahtzee. So you get three, three opportunities to roll the dice. Um, but let's say you have like your first roll, you have three fives, you then pick up the other two and you try and effectively roll two more fives. So, um, it's a good game would highly recommend for golfers on the road because yeah. Travel time such, killer, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, we played it on the plane the other day when we were <laughs> delayed, so that was kind of interesting. Wouldn't recommend doing it on the tray tables, they're very small and often the dice go everywhere. But you know, we had to try that out um, and give that review for everyone else so that they don't make that mistake themselves. So, <laughs> yeah, nice. And paddle, who's the best? I, I always hear the Spaniards are very good at paddle, but who do you play with and who's the best? Well, I played with the caddies, actually. Um, so me and Gabs Partington took the caddies down. Um, <laughs> I would love to take the credit for it, but I think she is definitely uh, the talent of the the doubles partnership there. But, you know, uh, we'll take on whoever wants to, you know, compete with us um, in Tampa if they if they have those courts there. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm not letting her up as my partner, that's for sure. Oh wow! Yeah, she keeps that quiet when she's behind the mic. <laughs> yeah, maybe Good on the stuff. walk and talk, we can talk about that next time. <laughs> yeah, easy, isn't it? Nice one. Good stuff. And final, then final one, then Bronte. We've got a little game which we like to play at the end of the podcast now, where we want you to create the perfect LET player. So the catches they have to be an LET member, but I'm going to list a series of categories in golf, and I just want you to tell you tell me who you would pick. Okay. Okay. So we'll start off with driving. Um, for sure. <laughs> uh, iron play. Iron play, probably. Who would I go for? I'm gonna go with Emily. Emily Pedersen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Short game. Short game. I'm gonna go myself. I'm gonna nice, back myself I like that. in that situation. Back yourself. <laughs> Good. Uh, putting. Who did I play with recently? Who I was very impressed with. Um, actually, I'm going to go with Diksha. I played with Diksha over the weekend, and she's a very good putter. Yes, yeah. Similar, her or Aditi, I'd put both of them in that situation. They look at the hole, and it goes in 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah, when she's on it, it's hard to stop Diksha. Yeah. Good answer to that. And final one then, um, mindset. So if you could have anyone's golfing mindset, golfing brain, who are you going for? Hmm. Who would I go for? I'd go with probably Suzanne or Mel. Good answers. Yeah. Awesome. And Mel, who's obviously now a vice captain coming into the summer. Absolutely. So that's a good addition yeah. to, to Suzanne's arsenal, isn't it? Definitely. She'll do a fantastic job. I mean, anytime she's around a, a, a European team, the team is definitely in better hands. Yeah, nicely put. All right, good stuff. I think that's a pretty good play you put together there. So, 
no complaints so. on my end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, we'll wrap it up there, Bronte, because we've kept you for, I feel like, far too long. Um, but thanks so much for stopping by and yeah, a massive course. congratulations once again on, on win number three. Thank you very much. It was good chatting to you both. Yeah, absolutely. And best of luck next weekend or next week uh, where the LET goes to Tampa for the first Aramco team series at the end of the season. Bronte, thanks again. Um, we'll see you next week. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. A competition clinching shot. Whoa, how about that? The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour.